Welcome to Business in Uncertain Times, conversations with Maine's island and coastal small business owners. I'm your host, Claire, a community development officer at the Island Institute. Running a restaurant in the best of times is a tricky business model to make work. Margins are slim, supply chains are delicate, and the hours are often brutal. And that's not during a pandemic. As we all know, restaurants have been hit hard right now, and many are struggling to figure out how to safely and efficiently be open right now. In this episode, we hear from Melissa Kelly, owner and chef of Primo Restaurant located in Rockland, Maine. She talks about how she was able to pivot quickly, her ability to embrace innovation, and how her new business model has helped cultivate a new, hyper-local community in her neighborhood. This episode is the first in a two-part series talking to restaurant owners. Keep your eyes peeled next week for my conversation with Sam Richmond of Sammy's Deluxe. But for today, I hope you enjoy my conversation with Melissa. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. Can you start by just introducing yourself, your business, and how you got started? My name is Melissa Kelly. I own Primo Restaurant. I am the chef there also. Um, I've owned it for, started it in 2000. Uh, actually bought the property in 1999 and did a major renovation, uh, put in some gardens and kind of have incrementally grown over the years, both the, the restaurant, we've expanded it a couple times as well as the farm. And I think probably a lot of people listening have been there and have seen it, but can you just describe a little bit sort of the, the space and the farm? Sure. Uh, so it's an old, uh, it's a 165-year-old Victorian hit a house that sits on a hill. Uh, it used to be a cow farm uh, that went all the way through the Thomaston um, Industrial Park. And um, it's so, the original part of the restaurant has small little parlor rooms downstairs. And then uh, we added on one side of the building. So tried to kind of recreate some of the um, history there and used a lot of reclaimed wood barn wood and when we took the side off the house to expand we used that siding to build the bar and just lots of uh, recycled materials um lots of small rooms upstairs downstairs kind of two different vibes downstairs is a little bit more blues and jazz and upstairs is a little bit more hip and uh, maybe a different a, a younger crowd or um Upstairs also we have a, a large bar and then we have a room we call the counter room where people come and just maybe get a pizza and a bottle of wine and a salad um, or a dollar oysters on Sunday night. And um, downstairs is kind of more of a full dining experience. Cool. Yeah, it's definitely a, a magical space, I think, all around. And um, so like as you were describing even you know, all these small rooms and the intimate bar and all of that. This podcast is really about businesses' response to the current pandemic and um, crisis response so far. You know, I think in Maine, we're just sort of really getting to the point where it's going to start to have an impact with summer tourism and all of that. But um, what has your response been so far? What would you normally be doing this type of time of year? Well, typically I close for the winter. We close the week after New Year's and we don't reopen till the beginning of May, sometimes not even till Mother's Day. So normally I would not have been open, but um, I would typically be traveling in springtime to have two other locations. One is in Tucson, one is in Orlando. And uh, when everything kind of got shut down, it was mid-March and 
I just decided since I was here and I have uh, 200 laying hens that were producing a lot of eggs, um, and then everyone was like not sure what was going on. I said, you know, maybe I'll just start cooking. I had some meats from my pigs in the freezer. And so I think it was St. Patrick's Day was our first day that we opened. Um, I come from an Irish-Italian family, so I decided to cook a typical Irish dinner that night. And then I just decided to stay open and do the takeout for a little bit and see what, till I knew what was going on. And I still really don't know what's going on, but. Yeah. And what do you mean sort of by open? I guess you said you decided to open on St. Patrick's Day, but I imagine it looked very different than. Well, open just for carry out, basically just for takeout food, because it seemed like people were a little bit in a panic mode right then, not sure what was going on. And a, a lot of restaurants were just shutting down and. And uh, I was supposed to be go- heading to Orlando, and that got canceled, so I just decided I would start cooking here. I had a few staff members who were here. Uh, I had just come back. I did a Charleston Food and Wine Festival for a week, and I brought my manager and uh, uh, two cooks with me, and we had just come back. and. We were like all excited to get cooking again, but then everything was shut down. So I said, you know what, let's just start with takeout and see what happens because we really don't know what the future is. So at least we can sell the eggs and the food that we have in the freezer if everything gets shut down. Um, so that's what we started to do. And then it's, it's been a very interesting, I've been experimenting a lot. I love that. That's awesome. Is there anyone in your circle or I guess maybe even like industry at large um, that you feel like you've been really inspired by right now or that's innovating really well? Oh, it's it's been pretty overwhelming. Right at the beginning, I was really paying attention a lot to uh, a few friends. I spent a little time in, in L.A. in January. Uh, Nancy Silverton, who's a good friend of mine, she owns uh, a couple of restaurants, Italian restaurants, and she partnered with um, Maker's Mark, and they were feeding, they were making like 300 meals a day for industry workers, and not only meals, but they were providing like essential things like toothpaste and toilet paper and diapers and baby food, um, and that was really great to see, and you know, just kind of um, following what chefs are doing, you know, some cooking tutorials on Instagram and, you know, a lot, it's been a pretty funny uh, learning curve for me because we don't do a lot of takeout, but how the guests receive what you're doing. And um, I want them to take home and cook a little bit, like finish a dish. and, And I'm amazed at how many people don't really understand that you have to boil fresh pasta. (laughs) (laughs) Um, they just mix it right into the sauce so yeah that's been uh, a big learning curve for me so now I'm pretty much giving directions with every dish so you'll type something up to go sort of with the takeout so when you because it feels to me like from an outside perspective it feels to me like you had a pretty big pivot in your business model like you were saying you didn't do much takeout you were sort of do you use the word fine dining? I'm like not a food person or restaurant person at all. So I don't want that to be, I don't know if that's like an offensive term, but I felt like you were sort of like um, fine dining sort of really based on that in-person experience. And then um, you started doing takeout in a, in a very accessible way. Um, was that something that you have a team that you talk 
to with, or was this, you know, something you just felt like you really needed to do? Or how did that, I guess, change come about? I mean, I guess we kind of are, I don't like the term fine dining either, but we, I guess Primo has so many personalities because we have upstairs, downstairs, different vibe, different mood. Um, some is walk-in business, some are reservations. So, um, yeah, taking that model and twisting it into, um, I mean, like I said, I'm experimenting a lot where we did, uh, you know, different cuisines. We did the cuisine from New Orleans. We did, um, Mexican food on Cinco de Mayo. We did, um, I do pizza night on Fridays, which we do pizza anyway, but, um, we do barbecue on Thursdays, which is not part of my repertoire normally. I mean, if we were going to do barbecue, it would be for us, for the staff. Um, so things that are not normally on my menu might be resurfaced, you know, coming out, coming out of the woodwork somehow. Um, there's, when we created the upstairs and the counter menu, we did a lot of snacks and using like off cuts, different cuts of meat that weren't like the prime thing that you would see in a fine dining restaurant. So, you know, we do fried chicken, drumsticks, and we do something called angry wings, like a spicy wing dish. But it's not like a wing you would get at a bar. It's a little different, a little bit more, maybe a little bit more culinary. Um and it's like things that myself and my cooks want to eat when they're done with work at midnight. <laughs> so I feel like that's we're awesome. doing more of those things. And that's been pretty well received because I can keep the price point low and not using expensive cuts of meat, using like all the off-cut shoulders and shanks and things like that, which is, I feel like you have to really cook. It's not like throwing a steak on the grill. And it, and it feels like that's the kind of food that people want to eat right now or, you know, in this moment. I think that makes a lot of sense. How have you been communicating with your customers and what has the response been? So initially we were basically just social media, um, you know, Instagram, Facebook, and um, anyone who was messaging or calling, we were, you know, responding. Um, But then we decided to uh, change our website and post what we were doing on our website and post a menu every day. Um, and yeah, that, then I, there were a couple different, uh, local, uh, websites that were listing who's open and what you were doing curbside or, so we just started kind of getting in the mix there. And then what, what's the response been sort of from your community at large and then also on sort of a local level, you're based out of Rockland. We it's interesting because we see some of our regular customers who we know and they're always supporting us when we're when we're in season, and then we've met a lot of new people who um, actually are neighborhood people and in, in the like a probably like Owl's Head and on the edge of Rockland and Owl's Head because we're kind of right on the edge of we're the last building in Rockland. Um, so I've met a lot of our local neighbors that I never knew before, and they've been coming, you know, once a week, and sometimes just for a cocktail, sometimes for a full dinner, sometimes they're asking us, like, well, what's next, what are you doing, are the pigs coming, and, you know, can we walk on the farm, and it's been, like, felt really embraced by our lo- very immediately local neighborhood. I love that. That's awesome. One of the things I'm really interested about is how businesses are dealing with sort of their internal culture right now and with different employees sort of like, I think in this day and age, 
humanity and business are really linked and people invest in their jobs and in different ways that maybe they didn't used to. I know you probably have a pretty small team right now. Um, You had said you had a couple people that ended up being back a little bit early, but what does your team look like and sort of how are you thinking about moving forward um, with as more staff maybe come on or? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty scary thinking like normally this is, you know, we just passed Memorial Day weekend, which would mean we're really the typically my first few weeks in May are training time with new employees. I, I take students from culinary schools and and then as we move into June, normally the first couple of weeks of June are quiet while school's still in session. And then as school gets out, we start kind of ramping up towards the 4th of July and then 4th of July until Columbus Day, it's pretty nuts. Um, but th- this is like the first time ever in 20 years. And, uh, and I'm like, oh, my God, it's Memorial Day and I'm not working. <laughs> and, uh, like, you know, seeing town is dead. And um, so as far as the staff is concerned, um, we have a small crew, but uh, we are trying to gear up with the mindset of opening in a few weeks. Uh, I know we were allowed to open as of May 18th um, for restaurants, but I felt like I wanted to wait a couple weeks and see what happens with other people opening up. And and I actually have kind of visited a few places, uh, haven't really dined out, but, you know, peeking in the windows and looking in the parking lots and seeing. And uh, it's pretty terrifying a few of them that you know the bars open and there's no gloves and no masks and people are sitting shoulder to shoulder a local person had a party one the first night of opening and uh, I talked to some of my construction guys who do some maintenance guys that do some work at the restaurant and they they were like some of them were at that party and telling me some stories and I really want to take it slow and keep a safe environment for my staff before we open the doors to the public um, and make sure we have all of our protocols down. And then when we're ready, open slow until we get in the groove and understand how, you know, some people don't follow the rules, but we're going to make them follow the rules while they're there. So we stay safe. And I don't know, it's kind of petrifying at the same time, well, you need the business and you want the business, but um, I can't imagine having a packed restaurant this summer. It sounds like you're taking a very smart approach. I don't know if you saw today, Janet Mills pushed back the restaurant opening date for the southern counties. It was supposed to be June 1st, and it seems like you already had that in the back of your mind. I know we're a little further north, but... Yeah, I mean, my plan is like mid-June right now, but I'm still going to, I mean, every day kind of keep a close eye on what's going on. And and then if we, we're going to continue the curbside, you know, and even after we open. But I'm also um, trying to build a small pavilion behind the restaurant so we can put a covered outdoor area that... I mean, we, we have a large space with the garden. I have five acres, so I could put picnic tables all over, but that wouldn't be very efficient for serving and, and bringing food out and and if, you know, the weather is bad or it's cold or it's raining. So I'm, I'm working with someone to try and see if we can possibly build a little structure behind the restaurant so we can have, you know, another 50 seats outside, maybe with some heaters in case it's chilly and a roof in case it rains and to kind of guarantee a little bit more 
business. You know, with this potential or sort of reality of less tourism or less business this summer, um, are you thinking at all about driving revenue year round or or what sort of more of a year round economy in Maine could look like for you? I know you said you're naturally a seasonal business, so I don't know if this is something that's been on your mind at all or not. Yeah, I mean, I've, like I said, I've been open for 20 years. The first maybe four years I was open year round. And then after that, when I opened the other locations, I decided um, we would close in January and reopen in May. And those months typically seem to be, sometimes January can be decent in the beginning of February, but mid-February to mid-April is usually pretty bad here because it's, the worst weather, it's either super cold or super muddy. Um, and I don't know, my the Primo is a large building. It's a lot to sustain, a lot to heat. Uh, we're up on a hill, you have to plow. And, and, you know, it's not like we're downtown little restaurant that can deal with a snowstorm. We have a lot of work to do if it snows. We have chickens and we have, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot to deal with. So I don't foresee being open next winter. Actually, I was thinking if it's really bad, I would close early um, and not get that far into the winter. Um, It's going to be day by day and see what happens in the next few weeks and next few months. And if we don't have a resurgence of cases, then hopefully we can stay open and just get more creative in the fall after we make it through summer and doing some events uh, different. We have a barn space where we do a lot of events. So you do pig roasts and cooking classes and things like that. But um, it's, it's very unknown. Yeah. It's a, it's a really weird moment right now. Um, So trying to imagine, you know, five years in the future, um, looking back on this moment in time, um, what do you hope will have come out of this for you, for your business? Um, any sort of ways that you've built resi- resilience into what you're doing? Well, I think there's a lot of positive things that are happening around the country. Like I've never seen like so many people working in their yards and making gardens and like really caring about taking time to do things with their family, with their, you know, small circle of friends and um, to see people just kind of slowing down and taking a breath that's really nice Uh, I feel like life is had been pretty out of control people are in this rat race and always have to be at the the next best place and have the next best thing and this has been just a big reality check and a reset button I think so I'm hoping that what comes out of this is that people have a clearer vision of um, what their priorities are, what's important in life. And if we can sustain it economically, then it'll be a really good thing. But the economics are my most worrisome uh, part of this whole thing. But I think it's personally... And I've been on the go since this happened, just busy, 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 trying to just think of ideas how to survive. Um, But I think for a lot of people, it sounds like they're really kind of enjoying and getting doing things they've never had time to do. Totally. Um, I'm just curious, like you've talked a lot about um, kind of trying to get creative in the fall and then 
you know, immediately just trying to innovate and pivot and think as fast as you can. Um, Have you been able to sort of embrace any of that sense of innovation yet and creativity? Um, Or is it just still too hard to sort of think at that level? I think we've we yeah we we have embraced quite a bit of it um this weekend i'm trying to open a um we're calling it primo provisions on the porch and we're opening a little market because we have everything's growing in the farm so we have a lot of things that normally if the restaurant was open and i was serving you know a few hundred people a night we would be going through all this food very quickly but when you're doing takeout and it's much less business and it's not um it's just, it's a very different, I'm not feeding 60 people on staff every day. And it's just a whole different ball game. Um, but we're trying to capture those things and, and recreate it. And, you know, we're selling our eggs in town to a couple local stores. And um, we're selling bags of lettuce and bottles of dressing to our guests and making different uh, packaging and yeah, I think we're getting innovative as much as we, we can while balancing out the have-to-do list. No, totally. You definitely are. I just was was curious if if it felt, like, positive and empowering to do it or if it still is just, like, every day is nerve-wracking. Because it seems like you're inventing, like, six new businesses here, and it's cool to hear about. Yeah, I mean, we're. I, I feel somewhat like you just have to experiment and see what people need or want uh or are excited about uh the guests that are coming are real appreciative and they're like really thankful and every time thank you so much for being open thanks for being here for us like you're the highlight of our week and you hear those things and that kind of makes it worthwhile that's awesome on that note i try and end these interviews in a really positive way. And so the last question I ask is just, um, what is something good that has happened today, yesterday, recently, um, for you or your business? What happened today? Today was so busy. Um, well, we made some big strides on this whole outdoor dining, um, pavilion yesterday, which is exciting to me. Um, and we actually were the last few weeks open five days a week. And today, uh, last week I decided I'm just, I'm going to close on Wednesday. So I'm only open four days, which will give us a day Wednesday to, um, really brainstorm and, and not only brainstorm, but act on our ideas. Um, so we're not trying to go in, cook, pack up food, get, get it to the guests and clean and rush. And so it's giving us an opportunity to kind of step back and think about the next step forward. I just hope that um, the community, you know, the Maine in general, because we really depend on uh, the summer tourists uh, to help us sustain and, you know, the festivals that bring so many people into town for all the small businesses on Main Street and all, you know, they're all friends. And um, I'm just hoping, you know, we can help each other get through this. We bounce a lot of ideas off each other and support each other in a positive way so we can all weather the storm, get to the other side. Thank you all so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. 
This episode was produced and edited by Galen Koch of The First Coast. And as always, you can head to islandinstitute.org backslash small business to subscribe to our Commercial Currents newsletter. You'll receive content like this and much more delivered right to your inbox. 